Church. Try it. Church. What set of words comes to your mind? Words like awesome, amazing, best thing ever. Okay, only kidding. Now, words that usually come to our mind are words like complicated, exclusive, judgmental, tradition, hypocritical, boring, and handball choir. Okay, that last one was mine. Sorry about that. But here's what we've been thinking. What if people in our city began to describe church with different words? Words that actually resemble Jesus. Words like simple, accepting, fun, dynamic, life-changing, and inspiring. We've also been doing a lot of dreaming. Dreaming about what it could look like for a church to become simple again. For it to become something you and your friends or family would actually want to be a part of. We've been dreaming about a kind of church that really helped people in the neighborhood. A church that was something you didn't just attend, but something you started to live out. Now, I'm sure your calendar is booked for the rest of the year, but in the chance that it isn't, I'd love for you to join us in redefining what church is and what church could be. 2019 is here. Anybody anticipating some big things in 2019? Y'all got some plans? Anybody got your vision board completed? All right, all right, West, thank, praise the Lord. Anybody else? No, no, any, all right, Vanessa, all right, all right, all right. Make the vision plain, right? All right? Okay, praise God. Y'all like, uh. <laughs> So we want to welcome you guys to uh, the first Sunday of the new year here at Hope Haven Church. Uh, so I wanted to do something um, as we enter into the new year is I want to give as much clarity as possible to what our mission is here at Hope Haven Church. All right. Um, I think one thing that one problem that I see with a lot of folks is um, we'll introduce folks to our church. We'll tell people about our church. And then when they begin to ask questions about your church, you don't have answers. And then we kind of put the weight on the pastor to explain the vision and the mission of the church. And it actually should be something that we all should be able to explain to people when we're describing and explaining our church. And I think when the mission or the vision of a church is clear, people can see what you're a part of and they can decide for themselves whether or not they want to be a part of the mission or the vision of what your church is doing. So uh, I said that to say this. So for the next four weeks, we're going to be working on our mission statement. And um, our mission statement is an acronym. And the acronym is REAL, R-E-A-L. <laughs> R-E-A-L, real. Look at your neighbor, say real. All right, we're a real church. We're a real church. Now, uh, real, um, those of us that have watched TV like the Chappelle show or keeping it real goes wrong, we have a definition of what real is. Um, that's not necessarily what we mean by real. Um, <laughs> real is an acronym for REACH. Look at y'all. Y'all been paying attention for the last year. Praise God. So that's our mission. Our, our mission is to reach people. Our mission is to evangelize. Our mission is to accept. And our mission is to love. So we're working with reach on today. The title of this message is called reach. Woo! Reach. Reach. We are dealing with reaching. So when you think of the word reach, and we're going to just make this a little back and forth today. I hope this don't mess the podcast up. Uh, when you think of reaching in our, in our mission statement, what do you guys think of? Contact, touching, meeting people, meeting needs. Is that it? All right, you guys are looking at that picture. When you look at that picture, what do you think? 
church? You see these pictures right here? What do you think of? You think of prayer? You think of out? There we go. When you see these, see all those presents? That's the presents that you guys uh, donated uh, back in December to those six families. So can you give, give yourselves a, a round of applause? Um, this is actually from the year before. Um, these pictures here, we were praying with people. We were actually out on, um, in, in Camden on Broad, Broadway, um, down at the Transportation Center um, sometime last summer. Um, but really what we're dealing with when we're dealing with reach is being in contact with the people. Y'all get what I'm saying? Um, so there's a difference between evangelism and outreach uh, because the Salvation Army can do outreach. Y'all with me? Um, you know, your local community hospital can do outreach. Um, your local nonprofit can do outreach, uh, but it does not necessarily mean that they evangelize. Uh, so although we want to do outreach, we also want to evangelize, which is next week's, year, next week's message. Um, we don't just want to give, but we also want to share. Does that make sense? So we're going to deal with um, reaching on today, and we're going to go to the book of James, um, the second chapter, starting at the 14th verse. If you have your Bibles, you can go there. If you have your phone, you can go there. If you have your tablet, you can go there. If you have an iPhone device, you can meet us there. If you have your Android device, we're right here. You guys there, some of y'all just being disobedient, pulling them things out. Put that phone down and go right here. Let me stop. <laughs> All right, you guys there? All right. Now, this is, this is uh, the Apostle James speaking, and he says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, it is, it is dead or is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish person. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteousness, righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. And scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it is credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. I want you guys to think about something when we talk about reach. Um, this is going to be just a little, I'm going to teach a little bit today. Is that all right? Um, when we deal with reach here at Hope Haven, we reach three ways. All right? We reach up. We reach out. 
and we reach down. Does that make sense? We reach up basically to surrender our will to God. We reach up to say, God, you are our source. We reach up to acknowledge him in all ways. We reach out to our brothers and sisters to show our form of community, to show that we love one another. And then we reach down, not as if though we're above anyone, but we're reaching down to pull someone up that may have fallen. So here at Hope Haven, we reach up, we reach out, and we reach down. Does that make sense? We're not a church that just walks around and says that we're a church, but we have no works. So to go back to the book of James, the third chapter in the 14th verse, uh, James says something here. He says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters? So that is telling us something here. It's telling us that who he is talking to are Christians or people who profess to be Christians. And what he is saying is, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds, can such a faith save them? How many of you are familiar with Martin Luther? Not Martin Luther the King. Martin Luther. That's right. The reformer. Anybody familiar with Martin Luther? All right. Um, Martin Luther hated this scripture. Those of us that are having church today that are not Catholic, we are Protestant. And the reason why we've come under the Protestant denomination is because of him. Y'all with me? And he could not stand this text because he felt like James was contradicting Paul. Because Paul comes in Romans and Paul comes in Galatians and Paul tells us that we're saved by faith alone. Mm. Y'all read that before? That if you confess with your mouth, Believe in your heart that you're saved. So he teaches that by faith alone, through grace alone, in Christ alone, are we saved. That's Paul's theology. And Martin Luther reads that, and he basically starts the Reformation because there were so many folks up to that point that thought that they could work their way into heaven. I know I'm a little boring, but this is going to make some sense. Uh, there were, and, 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 and the same thing goes today. There are some of us that think that our good deeds get us into heaven. And there, there's, there's conflict there because even evil people can every once in a while do a good deed and not believe God. So if works got us into heaven and not faith, then a whole lot of folks can make an argument of getting into heaven. So Martin Luther has a problem with this text because he believes that what James is telling us is that we have to work our way into salvation. Y'all with me? And he says, if I could, I would rip the whole book of James out of the Bible. But Martin Luther didn't look at what James was saying. Because what Paul was teaching us is that by faith or by, well, yeah, by faith 
through grace in Christ, we have eternal life. What James was show, showing us is that, yes, Paul is correct. But until we die and enter into eternal rest, there should be some works of evidence of our faith. Y'all get what I'm saying? Meaning that you just can't profess that Christ is Lord and then just go on and do what you want to do. What you're saying is because I believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, I'm going to use my hands and my abilities to help other people like Christ did when he walked the earth. So what he is saying here is my Christian brothers and sisters, if someone claim who, who in the world can claim to have faith with no deeds, can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister without clothes or daily food comes to you and says, uh, you know, I don't have no, no food. I don't have any clothes. And you basically say to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but do nothing for their physical needs. What good is your faith? What good is our faith as Hope Haven to come in here every single Sunday, have church amongst each other, and do nothing to help our community? It's quiet in here. How many times have we gone to church and we've had church, but we have not had community or outreach? How many times have we come to church and we give in offerings, but it doesn't, we, we can't show you what, it, what the money has done to help anyone else out? And one of the things that I had in my mind immediately when we started Hope Haven and Kara was a part of it in the beginning was that one thing that we have to do if we're going to be a church is we have to do some type of form of outreach. Not to just say that we're doing it, but to be Christians and show that, yes, we believe in Christ. And because we believe in Christ, we're going to do the work of Christ until the Lord calls us home. Y'all with me? So you have to understand last month, what you guys did was you added work to your faith. When you brought those toys in, when you brought those gifts in. When you serve that food, Selena, you look you just thinking you picking up some chicken. No, 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 no. You're, you're blessing somebody because somebody could have possibly came in here on New Year's Eve and didn't have a meal. And that hand that reach out, that thing that you did, that reaching bless someone. And you didn't even recognize that you were being a blessing to somebody. Y'all quiet in here. Are y'all with me? That, that turkey drive. We, we, we just thought it was nothing to go get a $15 turkey. And we thought it was nothing to get cans of beans and things of that sort. But there was somebody that needed that meal on Thanksgiving. And by you reaching your hand out to be a blessing, you've shown that I'm not just by faith and by mouth saying I'm a Christian, but I'm also doing it by deed. And what James is showing us in St. James, the second chapter and the 14th verse is that we just can't call ourselves Christians. We have to be Christians. Y'all quiet here. You can't just talk about it. You got to be about it. So he says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters? Someone claims to have faith. but has no deeds. Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. One of you say to them, go and be peace and keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs. 
what good is it? Back in the day, they used to say, go in peace. And when they would say, go in peace, uh, that was basically like a, a, a form of dismissal. You know, we say goodbye, holla at you, peace out. I'm going to get real old. Peace in the Middle East. That's like 1991 <laughs> during a desert storm. Um, all of those little phrases, their thing was, go in peace. Basically, what that meant was, get out of my face. What good is it for people to come to us with need and we have it? I'm not talking about you don't have it, but we have the resources and we have ways to lead people to resources and we don't reach to help them. What does that say about our faith? It's quiet in here. Thank you, Bill. It basically says you're nothing but a talking I can't even call yourself a Christian. You're just a talker. So it says, keep the next verse, in the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Y'all heard the other phrase, faith without works is dead, meaning that you have to put your faith to action. So, yes, we are saved by grace. We are saved by faith. We are saved in Christ. We get that. But in the meantime, while we're here, we're going to put that faith into action. I'm challenging all of you this year in 2019 to not just call ourselves members of Hope Haven Church, not just call ourselves Christians, not just call ourselves children of God and people of God and all those deep things and wear your fancy dress and your fancy suit and do all of that, but you have done no type of outreach all week. You have not checked on a person to see how they're doing. Sometimes it isn't even about money. Sometimes it's about contact. Y'all don't recognize what that hugging part means during the beginning of service when, when Royce gets up and tells us to greet somebody. He says with a holy kiss, I'm like, I'll, I'll give you a holy hug. I, I ain't giving everybody a holy kiss, praise the Lord. Rachel gets my holy kisses. But, <laughs> but all, of, all, all of that contact, you never know who needs that contact during the week. Sometimes you're hugging a person that did not receive a hug all week. Sometimes you're talking to a person who may have been in a place where they were getting ready to talk themselves off of a cliff and you talk them from walking off the edge just by saying nice to Many a times you don't even recognize that your faith is in action. And you don't know how many times you've blessed somebody and lifted them up just from the kindness of your words. Are y'all with me today? In the same way, faith by itself, it is not accompanied by, if it is not accompanied by action, it is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds. And I will show you my faith by my deeds. So what they're saying is, I do works. You got faith. Show me your faith. I'm going to show you my faith by what I do. Hmm. Can I go a step further? I, how, how, how in the world does that work, Pastor? Because I thought faith meant you just lay hands on people and, you know, they fall out and they get a miracle. No, 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 no. Faith by works is I don't know how God is going to do it, but I'm going to believe him and I'm going to attempt to still try to do it. Y'all with me? 
uh, faith by works is uh, sometimes I got it, but I barely got it. But because I know you need it more than I do, I'm going to reach in my pocket and give to you a little extra of what I had that I don't really have. Y'all know what I mean. You, you, got, you got $2, you really could use both, but you don't need one of them. Y'all ever been there before? And somebody really needs it, and you sitting there wondering whether or not I want to give them this dollar because I can have two. I can get $2 fries, but they have none. And then it's that, that battle within you, and then, you know, you get that conviction where you're like, you know what? <laughs> I don't need all this. And then sometimes you just say, I don't got it. And then you find yourself convicted later on because you could have blessed somebody when you knew you had more than enough. I'm, I'm a little boring today, but I, I hope this is helping you guys for you guys to really understand our importance of reaching in here. Is that we're not just going to be a church that professes faith. We're going to be a, a church that professes, proclaims, and demonstrates faith. And the demonstration of faith is not what a lot of us have been taught throughout church is, you know, healing lines and prayer lines and money lines. No, the demonstration of faith is love. And the demonstration of faith is love to people that I may not understand, I may not know, but because the Christ in me overwhelms me with love, I got to share it on, I got I to gotta just pour it on somebody else. Y'all with me? You have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds. I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God. Good. Watch this. Even the demons believe that. So if, if, if your profession of faith is only that you believe that there is one God, good for you. But the demons know that too. So basically what James is saying at that point is that if all you have is faith, your faith is equivalent of a demon. <laughs> Y'all quiet in here. If, 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 if that's all you got to showcase for your Christianity is that I'm a Christian, you're just as good as a demon. I love when it's quiet like this. Got y'all questioning yourselves. He says, good, even the demons believe that and shudder. Watch this. You foolish person. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Now James goes into the word. Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? Woo. Can I show you what works is? Works is doing the things that you don't want to do, but you have to be faithful to God. Now, Abraham taking his son to be slain was not necessarily a work that we call in church. That's not ushering. That's not giving up the offering. That's not preaching the gospel. That's not playing the music. No, no. What that means is obedience. So faith without works, but also faith without obedience is dead. Because how can you be faithful to God but not obedient to his word? Oh, I'm boring y'all today, but we're going to get there today. How do we have faith with no obedience? Y'all with me? 
How am I a Christian, but I don't obey the scriptures? How am I a Christian, but I don't obey his commandments? Jesus gave us two commandments. What were those commandments? Uh-huh. All right. So many of us got number one down. But how many of us got number two down? <laughs> Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy, and all thy. Uh-huh, that's faith. But then love thy neighbor, that's works. <laughs> I'm almost done already. Because this right here is going to convict somebody. Y'all just, y'all, y'all get ready to call somebody this week because y'all was just evil. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy mind, all that. Y'all got that. We got that. We had that a couple minutes ago. We was up here singing. We was, we was giving God our all. But love thy neighbor as you love yourself. Meaning, I will do for you what I would do for myself. Now watch this. It said thy neighbor, not your cousin, not your mama, not your auntie, not your grandmama. Royce, it said, neighbor, if they live in Sickleville, he's your neighbor. And you have to love him. I'm trying to help Royce because he was up here talking about wrath earlier. <laughs> you have to love him <laughs> as you love yourself. Look at God. Let's see. It's, 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 it's got him cracking up there. God, it's got him cracking up there. Y'all, y'all, y'all get that? So I love God, but now I don't know them. They don't look like me. They don't act like me. They don't walk like me. They don't talk like me, but they're my neighbor. What must I do? I got to love them. Yeah, Wes, you got to love him. Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? How many of y'all remember that scripture? So we have Abraham now, right? Y'all remember Abraham? Abraham is 75 years old when God calls him. God gives him a word that his seed will be blessed through him and his wife, Sarah. At this point, Abraham is 75. His wife is 66. Now, y'all can do the math, y'all can do the science, and y'all know at 66, ain't too many women having babies. <laughs> ain't no women in their 60s having babies, right? But God gives them a word that it's going to happen. 11 years pass, and Sarai is about 77, Abraham is about 86, and they feel like God has taken too long. So Sarai tells Abraham to go and lay with the maiden, Hagar, and have a seed through her, and we'll claim the baby. But that's not what God said. So now Abraham has this seed with Hagar, 
And we see at the book of Genesis, I believe around the 16th chapter, uh, at the end of the 16th chapter, he's 86. And at the beginning of the 17th chapter, he's 99, which tells us that for 13 years, there's no communication between him and God because of his disobedience. God now visits him in the 19th chapter, 17th chapter. He falls before God and God tells him again, I told you that I'm going to bless you with a seed through you and your wife. And now I have to change your name from Abram to Abraham and your wife's name from Sarai to Sarah and you shall produce a seed. Sarah laughs and God says, is there anything too hard for the Lord? Around this time next year, you will have a seed. And guess what? Sarah pops up pregnant, 90 years old. I can imagine her walking around with all the young girls in town and this 99 year old, this 90 year old woman is walking around with this big old belly. But God is not. He never lies or he's never slack concerning his word. So now Abraham and Sarah finally have this child that God has promised. And now God wants to see how obedient he can still be with him with a blessing. And sometimes God will put us in situations to see whether or not we can be obedient after we've been blessed. Y'all quiet in here. And the reason why some of us can never have new doors open is because we can never prove to God that we can continue to be obedient if he blesses us with something better. So God says, Abraham, you love me. See, the thing about it is Abraham had went through so many trials and tribulations up to this point that he understood that if I'm disobedient to God, then I will pay the repercussions of it even when I don't want to do it. And sometimes we go through trials and tribulations, not just because the devil's messing with us, but it's to teach us a lesson. So when God drops the bomb on us and when God drops the blessing on us and God requires something from us that he's never required from us before, we've been through so much that it won't be a hassle to give it back to him. So now Abraham has to take this promise that he had to wait 24 years for up to a mountain and sacrifice it. And while he's walking up, Isaac is looking at his dad saying, Daddy, what's going on? And Abraham, he kind of lying, but he kind of prophesying. And he says, you know what? The Lord will provide a ram, a lamb. He gets to the top of the hill. He lays Isaac down. Now study the obedience of Isaac. He's practically a grown man at this point. He could get up. But not only is Abraham obedient unto death, but Isaac is obedient unto death. Doesn't that remind you of somebody? Somebody that went to Calvary's Hill over 2000 years ago was obedient unto death and, and actually died that time. But on the third day rose again with all power in his hands. Isaac typified a Christ, a person that listened to the father and was obedient to the father, even when he did not understand the will of the father. Ooh, help me, Jesus. And some of us need to understand that I don't understand his will, but I understand that his will will always be good for me. Anybody here know what I'm talking about? I don't understand everything I'm going through. I don't understand every toss, every turn, every trial, every tribulation. But you know what? God has never steered me wrong. How do you know? You're still alive. Because he was obedient almost to death. Abraham now has the knife in his hand, getting ready to slay his son. And God says, stop, looks, tells him to look. And inside of the bushes was a ram with thistles of thorns on his head. Jesus died on the cross, our lamb. 
The Bible says they put thorns on his head. So not only is Isaac a form of Christ, but the ram in the bush that had the thickles of thorns wrapped around him symbolized Christ. And it was his obedience to God that counted him as righteousness. Because watch this. When you're obedient to God, you do the word of God. When you're obedient to his will, you align with his word. And if you're not aligning with his word, you're not aligning with aligning with obedience. Does this make sense? If I'm not obedient, I'm not in the word. And if I'm not in the word, I'm not obedient. And one of the problems that we have is we want to make the word say what we want it to say. We want to circle around what we don't like. We want to be like James and rip whole chapters out of the Bible. But if we rip one chapter out, we got to rip all chapters out. With reaching, we're also showing that we're obedient to God's word. Are y'all with me? So was not Abraham our father considered righteous for what he did when he offered Isaac on the altar? You see this faith and his actions working together and his faith was made completely by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteousness by what they do and not by faith alone. Why? Because faith in Christ requires you to put your hands to work. In the same way, and I'm done here, was not even Rahab the, hold on, the what? So basically, y'all know according to the law, she should have been stoned. According to the law for that sin, if she would have been caught in the act, she would have been killed right there at the scene. Y'all remember the woman caught in adultery in, 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 the, in the Gospels and Jesus began to write in the sand? And what happened with those men? They, they started disappearing quickly. They started disappearing quickly because during that time, if you were a prostitute and you were caught in the act of prostitution, you were killed. So, Abraham, so Rahab is basically, basically has a death sentence on her. But she was considered righteousness, righteous for what she did. She believed God and she put her hands to work to save other people. Now watch this. By her putting her hands to work to save other people, what happened with her family? They were saved because she put her hands to work to help to save other people. This message is a little dry today. But what I wanted to work with you on today is just a couple things. Three points. Three points and I'm going to stop here. Point number one. We reach up, we reach out, and we reach, uh-huh, we reach up, we reach out, and we reach, we might have to make that the whole Haven dance. We reach up, we reach out, we reach down. Y'all like that? All right, all right, next Sunday, Karen, put that in there, we're going <laughs> to. That's our new dance here at Hope Haven. We reach up, we reach out, we reach down. Hey, we reach up, we reach out, we reach down. <laughs> Chicken noodle soup with the soda on us. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we gonna work on that. All right. We reach up. We reach out. We reach down. Number two. Faith in Christ. Oh, faith in Christ will make you reach out to others. You won't just keep this Jesus to yourself. How many? Of you, how many of you enjoy the love of Jesus? Well, yeah, that's right. That's right. Make some noise. How many enjoy the love of Jesus? So how in the world could you enjoy something so good that is so much that you can't even eat it all by yourself and not share with somebody? How in the world can you? That's like, I don't know what everybody's favorite thing is. Anybody got a favorite meal? Banana pudding. That's like having banana pudding the size of this room. And Royce just being greedy, just trying to eat it all by himself and not tell none of us about it. And then by the time he tell us about it, he done messed around with it with his spoon. I don't even want to eat after him. <laughs> Those of us that say we have the love of Jesus, you got to share that with somebody. There's no way in the world that he's so good, so great, so awesome. And y'all talk about him on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. And, and Snapchat, and I, I can't even keep up with everything now. And, and you, don't, you ain't telling somebody about him in person. He's too big to keep for yourself. Y'all remember in the book of Exodus, where did God tell the children of Israel, if the calf was too big, do what? Share with your neighbor. Why? Because sometimes the gospel, well, not sometimes, the gospel is so big that you can't keep it for yourself. Christ died for, for all of, for Christ so loved the, world. He died for the world. How in the world are we keeping it in Woodbury when he died for the world? The gospel or faith will require you to reach out outside of your comfort zone so that you can bless or help someone else be a blessing and experience what you experience. Number three, without reaching, you have no purpose. If we are not reaching, we have no purpose. If all you can say is I'm a Christian, if all you can say is I go to church every Sunday, if all you can say is I'm saved, sanctified, Holy Ghost filled, fire baptized, I'm running for Jesus all my life, oh, you know, all that. He's the lily of the valley, he's the bright in the morning star, he's the rose of Sharon, he's the alpha and omega, the beginning and the end. Y- y'all, 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 we can run the role. He's my kinsman, redeemer. Y- y'all, y'all know all those. We can do that. But if that's all you can do, and you ain't reaching, what's your purpose? We have folks that sit in pews in church every Sunday that call themselves Christians with no purpose. They have not shared the gospel. They have not showcased the gospel. They have not let their light shine. They have not been the salt of the earth. They have not been anything to showcase. Half the folks don't even know they saved on Monday by the way they act at work. I didn't even know you loved Jesus the way you was acting. Because there's no purpose. All they have is lip service. So here at Hope Haven, we want to reach. Was that clear today? Was that clear? All right, come on, clap your hands for Jesus. All right, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad that, that God can cross. You know, maybe next week with evangelism, I can get a little more exciting. Um, but reaching is is great. 
But next week, we're going to deal with evangelism, meaning that after I reach, now I want to share with you the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to help you, but then I'm going to show you a person that can help you better than I can help you. I'm going to feed you. I'm going to feed you with bread, but I have one that I'm going to show you that's going to feed you with the bread of life. And we're going to work with Christ or introducing people to Christ through evangelism after we reach. So our mission is to. All right. All right. So I hope by the end of this month, somebody walk up to you and be like, what does reach mean? Y'all can say everything I just said in the last 20, 30 minutes. All right. <laughs> All right. Come on. Let's give God one more hand clap. <laughs> Praise God. <clears throat> Father, we thank you, Lord, for meeting us here on today, God. God, we thank you, Lord, for uh, this message. Um, came across kind of plain, God, but I hope it was effective and it reached our hearts and our souls. And I pray on today, God, that um, after we leave these doors, God, that we don't just leave as self-proclaiming Christians, God, but God, that we put our faith into action, that we showcase your glory and we showcase your kindness and we showcase your love in everything that we do. And God, we give you all the praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like to partner with us or make a donation, please visit our site at www.go2hopehaven.org. Our mission statement is to reach, evangelize, accept, and love. Your contribution will be a blessing to many in our local community, nationally, and even internationally. Again, thank you for listening. Stay tuned for more next week.